Okay, so Bezat Hashem, tonight we're going to be talking about uh, whiskey, in particular sherry cats, but also a few other uh, concerns that we've been talking and going through. Siman Kufiyu Dalid. This one's going to kind of start in Kufiyu Dalid, but then we're going to very quickly shift out of it into later parts of Yeridea, and specifically into um, uh, Kuflam Zion. Kuflam Dalit also, or sorry, Kuflam Hey. I want to start by saying the Shia should be refused, even for Yisrael Noach and Leah. And before we begin the actual halachot, I want to kind of go back and discuss how beer is made, and then we're going to go into the distillation process, and then from there we'll go into everything else. So, in order to make a whiskey, or any type of distilled beverage, you have to have something fermented first. So in order to ferment something, the easiest is wine. There's a lot of yeast on uh, grape skins, and if you leave the grape skins in with the juice in a barrel, it'll sit there and it will ferment itself. Now, when something ferments, the most it can or the most alcoholic it can become is somewhere between 15 and 16% alcohol. After that point, the yeast is going to die. And you won't be able to get it to any higher point of that. So how do we get to something you know, like a you know, 40%, 40%, 50%, it's cash strength, you know, 60%, whatever they are. So you start with a rudimentary beer or a wine, uh, wine, if you distill it, turns into brandy. Cognac is a specific type of brandy grown in the Cognac region of France. It's not that it's a different type of beverage, it's just a legal term. Um, and you could take beer, you could... Uh, any really cereal grain, as long as you ferment it and get, to it get it to any sort of percentage of alcohol, you could distill it. The higher percentage of alcohol you're starting with in the mash, so then the more alcohol you'll be able to get out of it. So how do you get alcohol out of a rudimentary beer or a wine or something in order to distill it? So the boiling point of alcohol is significantly lower than the boiling point of water. So if you boil beer, but not at 212 degrees, but at 180 degrees, the boiling point of alcohol, somewhere 175, 178, somewhere right in there. So the alcohol will come off, and the beer, water, everything else will stay behind. Now, that the, the first time you distill something, it's not going to be 100% alcohol coming off and everything else staying behind. There's a mixture. Why? Because when you heat things up, the temperature of a liquid, if you boil something and it says it's 180 degrees, and when you your coffee pot, it doesn't mean that every molecule of coffee in that cup is 180 degrees. It just means that the average temperature of, the, of everything moving around in that coffee cup is 180 degrees. At the top of that cup of coffee, where you actually have steam, that's over 180 degrees. That's over 212 degrees. So when you boil this mash, or wine, or rudimentary beer, whatever it is, the, everything that's at the top layer that's coming out of it 
it's a whole conglomerate. It's not just alcohol. It's the alcohol. It's some of the sugar. It's the water. It's some of the all the other stuff that's pulling out of it. So your first time distilling something might be somewhere in the neighborhood of, uh, I don't know, 160, 170 proof, which would put it in the neighborhood of about 80 percent alcohol, maybe, sometimes less, sometimes more. The well, more you distill something, because it's not just alcohol that's boiling off. Because again, when I... It should be less alcohol. No there's, the, no, there's more. Why? Because if I'm heating something to 180 degrees, or 185 degrees, I'm not heating it to 212. So most of the water is not boiling, but some of it is. Because whatever's at the, at the top layer has an easier escape route. And the alcohol is also mixed with everything else. Some of it's bonded, so... Other stuff comes off with the alcohol. The more you distill it and the more you refine it, so the closer you can get to where you could go in, in some places, you grain alcohol, a grain neutral spirit, or something like 95, 96% alcohol, that has no flavor whatsoever. You can make that out of corn, you can make it out of wheat, you can make it out of barley, any cereal grain will do it. At that, at that, at that percentage, there's really almost nothing left in it. It's almost strictly alcohol. But when you distill something, and bourbon, for instance, when you distill bourbon, the bourbon has to be, there's a maximum percentage of alcohol that it's allowed to be as you distill it. I believe it's 165 proof. So somewhere around there, 164, whatever it is, but 165 proof is 82% alcohol. So when you boil it, the, the steam that's coming off is mostly alcohol, it gets caught in tubing, and then it condenses into a, a liquor. Bourbon, for instance, when it's, bar uh, when it's put in the barrel, it has to be, I think, under 120 proof, 125 proof, so it has to be under about 60% alcohol or so when it's put in the barrel. And then as it ages, every year or so, you lose, depending on the nature of the alcohol, the temperature, the climate, everything else, you're going to lose 1% to 2% alcohol per year. And then once it's, let's say it's aged for 8 years or 12 years or whatever it is, then when they put it in the bottle, it's mixed with water to get it to whatever strength they want that bottle to be. So if it's put in the barrel at 60% and it comes out of the barrel eight years later at 52% and they want it in the bottle at 45%, so they'll put mostly bourbon in the, in the, in the bottle, but there'll also be some water that's mixed into it to get it to that 45% alcohol range. So, like we said with beer, there's really no halakhic concern with the general ingredients or the process, unless there's an issue with the kalim that are making it, which you don't really have with whiskey either, because it's just a few extra kalim that are added onto it, but turning it into a, a fermented wort. So, is, so basically, to, to just I'm trying to make sure I understand. Sure. Basically, to make whiskey, you first make beer. Essentially, yes. Essentially, yeah, you take this beer, so to speak, you cook it. And the steam that comes out of it becomes whiskey. Yes. The steam that comes out of it is mostly alcohol. It's, but it, when it's, well, let's say... When you boil it, it becomes... Because when it was beer, it was only 14, 16%, you say. Right. Now, so how, when you boil it, most of what comes off is alcohol. So there's how does it become higher, a higher percent? How does it become higher, more... Because more. most of what's boiling... Again, we're not, we're not heating it to 212 degrees or 220 degrees. 
we're heating it to 180. Okay. So because the boiling point of alcohol is 175, so most the alcohol is going to evaporate. And so you're mixing pure alcohol. Basically. Right. Yeah. But because it's not pure alcohol at the top and everything, it's not. It's it's a whole big mixture. So some of the flavor and water and and minerals and everything right. else that's in this whole mash is going to come out with it. Which is why when you distill it the first time, it's going to only be. Uh, again, somewhere in the neighborhood of like 75, oh, so 80% that, percent alcohol. Okay, then, you, you can, then you, if you want, you can take whatever you distill and distill it again. Sure. You can distill it again. And then it will become much more. So, what, what, what happens with. Yeah, so what happens with bourbon and with scotches in general is there's actually kind of three points in the distillation process. The first, the initial point, the alcohol that first starts coming off, that's significantly higher. That's going to be 170 something proof, or 180 proof, because as it's heating up, what heats up first and what evaporates first, the alcohol. So, but as the whole mixture starts heating up, so uh, more, more stuff comes off more, with it. Okay. So that middle range is going to be somewhere around 160 proof, and then as and the, end, the, the end, we're getting more. Water. Now it's more water because it's it's continuing to heat up. So the uh, whole thing's getting closer uh, to that to that it. mark. So that lower, that last part. You can't really make whiskey with. That first part you can't make whiskey with. So a lot of times is the first and last parts get recycled into the next batch and then they get distilled again in order to and then the middle part gets pushed further on the line to get put in a barrel and then aged for whatever the legal terminology is. Typically it's three years is the, the legal you know, for bourbon you have to age it a minimum three years in a new oak barrel. For scotch it's a minimum I think three or four years in Whatever barrel, um, there, there's different there's different rules there. Yeah. So there isn't really much of a kashuk concern. Yeah. In terms of kufyadalid, I don't want to spend too much time on this because I know that the sherry cast thing is where, where we really want to hit tonight. In, in your day, in kufyadalid, we're talking we've been talking about where can I consume beverages. Oh. So there's okay, a there's a all. there's a question. Um, the orachayim. And the Zivchitzedek and others say that people don't really spend too much time drinking whiskey, and they don't drink all that much in one sitting, so it's not part of the Gezeira that we have if you're not, you know, you can't go to bar. So technically, according to the Orchayim and the Zivchitzedek or the Lasomech, you could go to uh, a bar and order a glass of whiskey. Halach Lamaisa, though, the modern-day post can say that's not the case. The Archa Shulchan and Kufya Dalid Sif Yeralef says very clearly that if not for the Ramah saying that it, the Gezeira only applies to date beer, then whiskey would also be included. Maran Beit Yosef doesn't have any issue, or doesn't make a distinction between uh, beer and whiskey. And we know that whiskey's existed since at least those times. So theoretically, Maran would also say eh, that whiskey would be a problem. And we know, because one of the first was to bring down the, the whole issue of whiskey is the, the Rivash. And this come Pesach time, we'll, we'll revisit this. But the 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 halacha regarding uh, whiskeys and bourbons and alcoholic beverages that they're considered chametz gamor, which is the case according to basically all the ashkachas and most modern day poskim, not entirely all of them, um, but about ninety nine percent, I would say, uh, is that uh, yeah. We'll, we'll we'll get there. There's a, there's a Pnei Yeshua like that, and the the base mayor and, and wow. seemingly Arvavadia would also would also go like that. Time for a different discussion, but in general, the halacha is that 
buy a whiskey, it's considered chametz gamar. Marana Beit Yosef considers a, a beer or a whiskey chametz gamar. So, uh, but the, 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 the Rivash is a Rishon. He's an early Rishon who says that very clearly in uh, in Chuvah uh, Rishon and Hay, very clearly he says that anything that comes off of a distilled a, a distillation is considered like the parent object. So if you let's say you, you took wine that was stanyenum and made a brandy out of it, so that brandy is considered stanyenum. Okay, yeah. Or if it's made out of chametz, so then the whiskey made out of it is considered chametz. It's not, it, it is a bit of a chidush. Again, the, the Pnei Yoshua. So the Pnei Yoshua has, has different ways to go around it um, and, and say that, that, it, that it's not... No, no, no. So the, no, the Pnei Yoshua is going to say that, that it's, it's totally us. He's, he's not going to tell you that it's not Chomets Gomer, but the Pnei Yoshua says that I, I could benefit from it after Pesach, so I could buy it. Uh-huh. And that there's not, there, that Chomets all of a Pesach is very, that we could be lenient with that regarding whiskeys. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. But beer is different. Right, beer is a different story. Date beer is totally factual. Date beer would be, but... It's specifically regarding whiskey, not beer, because the whiskey is distilled, and and the distillation process is what the Pinot Yeshua wants to bring bring out. Interesting. Wow. So I don't want to harp on that because I, I want oh, that no, that no. has to be uh, really a sheer in and of itself. Come come closer to Pesach. And it could be, it could be a more, some kind of a hassle to sell it. Maybe. Right. So and that that's why there, you see people that have uh, they have a minute not to sell chametz gamor, but they sell their whiskey. That is true. A lot of people rely on the Pinot Yeshua, the base mayor of Ovadia. Specifically in that case, that wow. they sell their alcohols because of this Pnei Yeshua. So, but we'll, we'll get to the Chomash of the Pesach. In general, the halacha is that it, the whiskey is considered Chomash of the Pesach, so you would have to make sure that it, it's not a Jewish owned company. And uh, if you check the CRC list, uh, a lot of times they'll say if you buy this whiskey and it was you bought it before X date, so then it's allowed. And what that means is that. After that date, a, a Jewish person bought the company, and the, everything going forward from that time, there's a chabad of a Pesach issue. Um, but, but that's there. Um, regarding sherry casks, so in, there, there's, there's a lot to really discuss before we even get to the, 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 ta, the, 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 the halach lamaisa. If we go to Siman Kuf Lam Zion in Sif Aleph, Manav Yosef says, "Kol Akelim Ha'asurim Machved Yain Shel Ovi Kochavim Sheachnis Behem Yisrael Yain Kodem Sheachshiran So Asur B'Shtiya Amutar B'Hana Afilu Hu Yavish Kol Zman Shlo Avar Lav Yavish Chodesh." You bet Chodesh. So you have to, once a year passes. So then, so by a lot of food items, we say that once one twenty four hours passes, or once a day passes. So then we consider it notin tam gam. We don't have that rule by wine. By wine, we say it's notin tam shevach until it turns a year old, and then we say it's nizrach. But wine benefits from age, and so we'd say up until it hits a year point where the, ca- the cask has been dry, that cask can still is, is not until the Shavach for a year. So what comes out from this halacha is that Maran is saying that wine in a wine cask is Aser. There is no Bittal, a field by Aleph. The Ramah, however, says that there's 
room to be lenient if it was 60 times. So if you have the, if the amount of wine you had in this barrel is 60 times the amount of wine that was stuck in the barrel or the clip of the barrel, whatever the case may be here, so then uh, that will be allowed. Now in this case... The Ramah says even min that's, that's the Kiddush. Right. So, Mibamino, that, you can combine right. the, the 20, you can rely on a 24-hour Olivka. So not even Mibamino, it's not even a Olivgam thing, it's Stam, if you put it in. Uh, here we also he, said, is he, is he so, so here we also says, Kodom Shech Shiran. So meaning, you didn't, you didn't clean it out, you didn't dump out whatever was inside it, you, it wasn't cleaned out, it wasn't kashered, however so the kashered process would be. It's not as with the barrel itself so much, but... Maran says if there's any non-kosher wine mixed into kosher wine, then the wine is asr. And according to the Ramah, if a drop of non-kosher wine falls into kosher wine, so as long as it's bottle b'shishim, it's allowed. So bottle b'shishim meaning whatever is in the barrel right. has to be less than 60 from what you... Whatever right. was in, whatever. in the barrel has to be less... So Correct. So let's just say you have a barrel of uh, 48 gallons, I don't know, whatever it is, right. and inside the... Inside the barrel, you have maybe like a half, half a gallon. gallon right. So, uh, okay. That would be mutter, according to the Ramah. According to Marana Beit Yosef, if you put wine in a wine bar- barrel, there is no heter. Okay. Now, we move on to Sifdalid. This is where the biggest, um, the biggest kula is regarding sherry casks. And this, uh, as, as, a, as a preface, Shlomo Miller in Toronto, is of the opinion that, that this sif is the halacha, the, that this saif in, in, in Shulchan Aruch is the halacha. We don't have to care about anything else. What Moran says here is the ikr, and, you know, Shalom Yisrael and everybody else can go fly a kite. Moran says, Kedem ha'asuri machman ya'in shalove kochavim, mutu l'tein the tocham bin mayim bin sheikhar, bin shar mashkim, so Maran says, as long as I uh, hold on, as long as long as the barrel was cleaned out, meaning I dumped whatever the contents were and I washed it out, I can put whatever I want in there. Now, what does this mean, and why is this? So there's but not, a good, but not wine. Not wine. Not, not one. Not one. Uh, uh, not, not my one. Kosher, not Jewish one. What's the problem? So the the by by wine in a non-kosher wine uh, barrel. Again, we have an issue of Rebbein Bimino, and he says that there, it's in a bottle of Filba Elf in this case. The thief says, "Kina masurim achayin shall ovikochavim mutali tina tochem bein mayim bein shechar." Bin Sharmashkim. You can oh, add okay. you can add water, you could add beer, you could add any other uh, other uh, other drink. Sharmashkim meaning chutzmiyain. Right. Now the the case here comes right you could even you could salt, you could you wanna um you're gonna make pickles. Pickle, pickle. Yeah, you can make pickles. Pickled fish, okay. pickled uh, whatever you want. You could use the. So that means like more like uh, fermenting something, whatever. Right. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Exactly. But yeah, you can, you can make pickles. Now, 
what's the case here? The Gemara, uh, can't remember where. Uh, uh, the bare goal is not going to help me. Okay, fine. Either way, the Gemara says um, there's a case where you have uh, somebody had some wine, and they were they filled the wine it was a quarter wine and and three quarters water, and that was kosher wine. There's tur- tur- sorry, it's truma wine, and then there was another glass of wine that was again one quarter wine and three quarters water. As we know, back in the day, uh, the Renegade of Abraham and most post say that their wine was stronger and their yeast was stronger. I'm not entirely sure, but Mitzias what that that means. Um, but Lamai says what the post say. I don't know if that means that. Uh, people had lower constitutions, so they needed to water it down, or if it means that the yeast was able to ferment things to higher alcohol content, I don't know. Uh, but again, the mice said that's what they say. So you have basically eight parts liquid in these two cups. Again, there's six parts water, one part truma wine, one part regular wine. And they got mixed together. So now you have a into one clee. So now you have a clee that's six parts water, one part kosher wine, or regular wine, kosher wine, and one part truma wine. The Gemara says that you can ignore the kosher wine and the six parts of water are mevatel the truma wine and make it okay to drink. Now I'm not sure why that gets rid of its truma status because truma is only bottled bamea, right? So that's a kasha on, on, on the Gemara. Um, I don't know if David Cohen uh, says that also. He says I... I can understand why maybe the because the, the, we say tam keikar so the tam is different and so therefore it doesn't taste like wine but the mice should still be truma so I'm not, he's, he's not sure why once it's no longer considered wine that the status of truma falls off of it because the truma the mice is in butter but that, that's not that's just a bit along this um, in any event so here we, we learn from this gemara that wine and water is bottled b'sheish. Not b'sheishim, but by sheish, by six. So, the, the Rishonim have two ways of learning it. One is that the water is pogging the wine, and that uh, there's just too much water added for the wine to be anything anymore, and therefore it just basically nullifies the wine. And the other is that the wine in Sharmashkim is it's pogim sharmashkim? Can I ask a question? Why sure. did the Gemara have to say a case that there was a uh, there was uh, a, 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 a eight of uh, was an eight 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 right eight right. of truma and eight of uh, why 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 do we need the kosher wine over here? So we don't technically need the kosher wine, but it wanted to tell us that even though that technically you have a situation of min bamino and min sheibeino mino, we can ignore the mino. And we just we just so, deal with the so, she'en of so no Right. So kovachomer, there's no if, there's no kosher right, wine. There's no kosher wine that, for sure. But we don't okay. have to worry about it. Right. But even if you had equal parts, uh, what you call it, regular wine and truma wine, then as long as the, there's sheish against the 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 truma wine, wine, so then right. we say that there's no problem. You just ignore. The, the kosher the, yes, the kosher yeah, wine yeah, yeah. happens to be like by uh, cases brought also in like Hilchataruvot where you have something where you have fifty nine uh, ounces of water 
and then you have an ounce of pork and an ounce of blood that fall into uh, a pot. So now there's 60, there's 61 ounces, right? Two of them are asar, but we could say that the, the water and the blood are mavat of the pork, and the water and the pork are mavat of the blood. Is so, like yeah, there, there's cases like this brought in in uh, in Tarawad and towards the the back half and Kiftek of Kifuid and help us take Seika. So again, one is that either the the wine is being or the the water is being of the wine, and therefore we just kind of ignore the wine. The wine doesn't exist anymore because it it uh, doesn't it can't give off any of its flavor. Or that wine is pogim sharmashkim. Or Shlomo Miller wants to say that wine is pogim sharmashkim from from this case because he says you can put it in a barrel. And he says that the, 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 basically the flavor that's coming out of the barrel from the non-kosher wine is going to, um, it's going to be pogim, uh, any other uh, mashka that's going to be in there. Now, it is a machloka rishonim. There are a number of rishonim that say that this case in the Gemara is not an even case and that there was one part, uh, uh, one part, Truma wine, 19 parts kosher wine, and then uh, the, the Truma wine was basically bottled b'shishim. So it would be 57 parts uh, water with the 19 parts kosher wine, and 3 parts water with the, the 1 part uh, Truma wine. The Gemara is not exactly clear like that. Uh, it seems to be that it should be a 1 to 1 ratio, but there are Rishonim that go like that, so there are a lot of Rishonim who say that Wine is not bottle bashesh and it is bottle bashishim. Um, there are a lot of Rishonim who also say that it, the the Gemara Dafka brought a case of water and not sharmashkim. So by sharmashkim you would also need shishim and not shesh. Um, but Kenner Shlomo Miller, you only need uh, you only need shesh, and that wine the the wine basically does does not impart good flavor to anything else. And so Shlomo Miller holds that this sif is is the uh, the halacha. And according to these well, Mufarshim, why do you need to rinse the barrel? Is it because then you're about to be dying? Right, because then you're, you're, you're being mavatlis of the chachila. Well, so you have to, you have to, you have to, you essentially have to well, kosher the barrel. See, if, say, how much, how much actually bottle, say bottle of shish? Bottle of shish, he says bottle of shish. Bottle of shish, the shokhanah says? Yeah, bottle of shish. The shokhanah says bottle of shish? The, um... What's the shokhanah say again? Hold on, he says... You have it you just no, no, I'm saying he brings sheish in. Uh, it's a different, different sif, but the the where is sheish again? If you go back to sif kuflam adalid, here he doesn't. Yeah, here he doesn't say exactly what it what it is. He just says that wine is pogi mother mashkim. Doesn't say, any Doesn't say by, by number. Doesn't say by number. By number, he brings down in Kufla in Kufla Medalid, in Sefhei, he says, "Kami heba mayim veheba hem kedei levatul tamayayin shisha chalakim kenegdo b'chol sheish b'mayim kashir hazeh motor afil b'shtiya." So, what is he talking about regarding what? So here it's also about talking about yain esef. If you have or, oh, wow. or stamina, if you okay. have wine okay. that that's bottle. In Sheish, okay. so then it's bottled by, by water. By Mayim. Yeah. By Mayim. A lot of posts can say that this is also talking about Sharmashkim. Right. But th- that, that's not entirely clear. Um, and then the, the final point I want to bring out 
is in Kuf Lamed, uh, Kuf Lamed Hay. And Sif Yud Gimel, when Ron says, Afilu b'mechnisu l'kiyum, e'no b'lei yoter m'kadei klipa. So even if you so here we're here we're talking about if I'm using a non-kosher barrel, yeah. and and I cleaned it out, but lemaisa the barrel absorbs non-kosher flavors. Okay. Right? By washing it out, I get rid of whatever you know lafuchim are, are stuck inside. Right. But I didn't I didn't kosher the barrel itself. Right. So Maran even if I'm putting in. The whatever I'm putting in this beverage to stay there for a while. Yeah. For a while. So klipa. It's not going to go further than a klipa. So the fichach im haver lehem. I'm not going to be a hitni or klapum, bekardum, hukshiru. Meaning, as long as I, I scrape the barrel, either I scrape it or um, I, I burn it out. So then I don't have to worry about whatever was in the barrel because the only issue is kadei klipa. Okay. Now. There's a machloga between the Taz and Shach here. The Taz says that klipa is the halacha. The Shach says that klipa would be the halacha if it wasn't in there for 24 hours. If I just put this, ba- I just let's say I, this was the only barrel I had, and I went to the, the 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 market, and the only barrel he had for me to take my you know my barrel of beer home was this non-kosher wine barrel. So as long as we cleaned it out, I put the beer in there, and I put it in the barrel to take home, and I gotta you know go to the village 12 uh, miles away, so I'm not gonna get there for another. 15 hours, so then I can, uh, you know, then I, then I could do that. As long as I put it in a kosher wine barrel afterwards. The, the shach says that this is only for a case where it's less than 24 hours. More than 24 hours, Moran's going to say, it, you have to be mevatal the entire kli. And wow. why is that? Because... How do you mevatal the entire kli? So you, you can't. Um, and we'll get there in a second. Yeah, but Maran, Maran said before that, the, that even if a filo ashir, even even to leave it there. Right. So if a filo machnis the kiyum. So the question is, what does Maran build by the kiyum? The Shach wants to make it basically. A, he brings down in, and it's an earlier section. Um, it's in uh, it's in He says that kavush requires being mavat of the kli and not the klipa. Yeah, what? When you when 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 something is kavush. Uh-huh. Right, we say kavash kimavoshal. Right. So when I pickle something, I leave something in a kli. We say that it's not that that whatever was in that. Let's say I have a pot and I have milk sitting in the pot, and I leave it in there for thirty hours. So after twenty-four hours, we say kavush, and the milk went into the walls of the kli. Right. The shach says that kavash is just like. Uh, Bishel, and therefore the entire kli, from inside to outside, basically becomes milchik. Whereas the Taz says in Kufhei that no, it's only a klipa. In general, the halacha follows the shach here, that if I were to be, if I were to leave something in a kli for twenty-four hours, so that kli, the entire kli. Not just the klipa or the interior klipa, the entire kli becomes uh, would, would become whatever gender food I put in there. So if it was meat, it becomes meat. If it's strafe, it becomes strafe. And the, the entire kli, and I gotta be mavat, and I have to kasha the entire kli, not just being mavat of the klipa. Now, parenthetically, we have a general rule that if you are if you're able to fill a kli, so then whatever's inside the kli 
is able to be mvata b'shishim, the klipa of the kli. The Khtam Sofer says that if I have a kli and I fill it, right, if I, the kli holds a gallon, it's a one gallon pot, right, the klipa of the kli holds less, or the klipa of the kli is less than two, uh, two fluid ounces, or two and whatever change that would be because it's 128 ounces for a, a gallon. But whatever kli you have, the klipa is always going to be bottle b'shishim from whatever's inside it. But... That's why the Vesesim is not. Right. So, because he says klipa. Right. He also says klipa by, by koshering, um, by koshering a beer barrel for Pesach. If you had a, a, a barrel that held Hametz beer, and you want to use that barrel for Pesach, for wine or whatever it is, so he says you can be, you can be, uh, you can, you can take off a klipa of the barrel, and you don't have to kosher anything else. Um, See, the chayre, it doesn't all lay the shach. Right, so... The shach is saying... Who says about the barrel of the Taz? Who says what about the barrel? Who says the Taz about scraping the klipa from the barrel for Pesach? Moran. Moran says it. Yeah. Moran says it in... in, in it's a, uh, I don't have it written down, but it's a clear den of Shulchan Aruch. Um, so here we have a question of... Has, has anyone... I'm sure you're going to get here, but... So, you know, right, the thing you just said, the klipa at 60, I know there is also a klal that we usually assume that a klipa does not hold 60 times the walls of the klipa. Right, that's what we were saying. Right. But has anyone ever, like, actually experimented with barrels? Like, what is the actual volume? Yes. Because that, that ratio uh-huh. improves as the klipa gets bigger. Yeah, Robert Cubany House has. He's talked to a number of engineers. He's the, mm-hmm. um, he's the rabbinic coordinator for alcoholic beverages at the CRC. Um... We'll get there in a bit, but uh, yeah, he's he's done the math on that. Um, so here we have a question: exactly what Moran means? Does it is it sixty? Does it, do you need sixty or do you need six here? Not sixty or sixty. Do we do we need to be mivatel the klipa or do we mivatel the entire kli? If you need to be mivatel the klipa, so then even if you need sixty, it doesn't matter. If you need to be mivatel the entire kli. And you need 60, it's never gonna happen. If you need to be about the sheish, maybe that could happen with a certain type of kli. If the you know, the walls are thin enough and the kli is big enough. So Moran says six. The shach says sixty. Okay. And there's a lot of Rishonim who say who say sixty. And it is a big difference. You're trying to push uh, the shachs of uh, no, I'm um, trying to build a a a, a, a sugi here. Moran right. says every six. right. Moran says six by by every type of liquid except wine. There's a right. lot of all of Rishonim and the Yachronim are going to agree that six by water for sure. The right. question is by Sharmashkin, okay. right? And w- even though Moran says something, sometimes you know we do rule against Moran. It happens infrequently. You know, Lamaisa, we were you know. Especially this one anymore, Makabah Horot Moran, but at the end of the day, that's Mitorat Safek and not Mitorat Vadai. And Ravadi says this clearly in, in his in Kali Shulchan Aruch in the, the back of Yichavidat that when you when we are Makabah Moran, it's only Mishum Safek. So it's not that we can't ever rule against Moran. There are certain cases we're allowed. In fact, just parenthetically, um, in, in cases of uh, 
uh, in like Gitin or uh, certain cases that have to do with uh, Arayot or status or Mamzerut, whatever, we're always going to be Machmir even against Moran because we want to try and fulfill as many opinions as possible in, in that regard. In other regards, you know, Moran is it, but there are certain cases where, you know, it, it might be Kedai to be Machmir even against, even though Moran says mm. something. So, like I said, the average Kli, the contents of the Kli are going to have a ratio of 60 to 1 against the Klipa. So even if we even if we needed sixty, if we're going like Maran, right? Even if we need sixty, uh, not um, yeah, like the um, like the those like those who shown Menachem they go against Maran that say you need sixty, not six yeah. by Shar Mashkim. So if we're going against the Klipa, it doesn't matter. If we're going right. against the entire Kli, yeah. then you're never going to have sixty against the entire Kli. It, we have a cloud that no Kli holds 60 times its entire, its, its, its volume. So, meaning that the, whatever the Kli holds... Water, water like this. Right, it, even... It, no water like one inch deep. It, right, right. It, it's, it's a presumption about most Kli. It's not a hard and fast rule. I mean, a very it's large... not. I've there. never seen a, I've never how, seen a Kli. How is that possible? I mean, you have, you have the barrel inside is uh, 12 inches or about. 18 inches wide. Right. That's, why I, that's why I want to see the mat. That's why I, I want to see the mat. It's, it's, it's a rolling. It's, it's not, not, it's not it mat. I'll give, you, I'll give you a... It's not based on mat. It is. No, it is it's mat. mat. It's mat. No, it is mat. Here's a, a, a much simpler example. We'll use a, 2D, a two-dimensional example as opposed to the barrel, which is going to be 3D much harder. Oh. Let's say you go to a pizza store. And I want an 18-inch pie. And they say, we don't have any more of those. But I'll give you two 9-inch pies. Is that the same? Absolutely not. Why? Because the the size of the pie is by the square of the radius. The square of the radius of an 18-inch pie is 81 pi. The square of the radius of a pie that's 9 inches is about 21 pi. It's a quarter the size. You would need four 9-inch pizzas to be the same size as an 18-inch pie. Now, in a barrel... And, and the, the two pies have different... Pizza-to-crust ratio. Right, they're going to have totally different cheese-to-crust and everything else, but just on a, on a, a regular two-dimensional, without getting into the, the thickness and crust and ratios no, or whatever. No, I'm not talking about, I'm saying even in two-dimensional world, the crust-to-pizza ratio, right, the crust... Sure, that, that's going to be, that, that's also going to be very different. Right, the bigger, when you get to the, the barrel, pizza, the barrel, you also, you're, you're dealing with a barrel on the inside, let's say, is maybe, I don't know, let's call it 10 inches just to be simple, and then you have an inch thick around it, so that way the radius is now 12, right? So it's 25 pi to 36 pi, right? So the difference in that barrel now is the barrel itself, if you take away the insides, holds 11 pi in volume, whereas the interior of the inside of the clay only holds 25 pi. You're looking at, you know, two and a half times. You lost me there. Not, 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 not six. It's a, there's, a, there's a lot of math of figuring out where, what, what the, size, the sizing is. I was going to trust you on that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, uh, we come now to the, the this is the, the real kicker here as to why Theoretically, before we even move on, theoretically, I have a cask. 
Cherry cask. If the lock is like Moran, and let's say we still go Moran, ignore all the Rishonim, ignore everybody else. According to what Moran's bringing here, Sherry cask should be fine. Absolutely. Right? Because I only need six to one. I'm putting in whiskey, and I'm, I'm, I need six to one. So and I only have to be bought the Klippa. Right? And as long as it was rinsed out, which Parenthetically, the whole, the you know the the rule in Scotland is they have to dump the the whiskey that or the, the wine that's in the barrel when they get it, they have to dump that out. So theoretically, it's clean. Uh, any little bit that's left in there is going to be bottle, uh, you know, it's for sure going to be bottle bashishim. I don't need it's not mean bamino, so I don't have to worry about you know the the inner bottle part. And since it's not being certified kosher, there's no issue of mavatul is, isilachachila. Uh, so now, according to what we've been saying here, I should be good with sherry casks. Again, you have different cheetahs, you want to be machmir for some of the other opinions. Okay, so maybe, uh, maybe like that. But we have one final sift to look at before we look into the actual history of the Scotch whiskey industry to get to where we are today. And that's in Kuflam Adalat Sifiyud Gimel. Manan says, Kol ha-mashkim shal v'kochavim, shedarkom la'arev v'hen yayin, o chometz, if you have some drink that the non-Jews make, and they put in some wine, or they put in uh, some vinegar, like wine vinegar, asurim, so they're not allowed. This comes from the Tshuva Sarashpa, and... The Rashba there says you can't drink any beverage where it's customary to add wine, even if the wine is bottled with shishim. And the reason for that is it's considered an integral ingredient, and it was put there on purpose, and therefore it can't be bottled. Something that was put for uh, as part of a recipe and for its taste, so it, it can't be bottled. There's a name for it. What's the name for it? Uh, the name? Uh, there, there's a Devar Davido Taima. No, there's a very similar. Yeah. He, the Rashba actually brings it from the Vermaimid. Right. So, Rav Moshe and Igor Moshe says that <coughs> even though technically this is, the Rashba says this is Midrabanan, we should be stringent, right? especially for B'nai Sfarad. B'nai Sfarad? No, especially for B'nai Sfarad because. Moran says that it's a problem. Even though Rav Moshe wants to say, yeah, the Rashba says this, but it's a Durabonin, Stamninim's a Durabonin, so, you know, it, we could say it's Bata Bashishim, you want to get into all sorts of Tirutim, and say, yeah, you, you know, you could, and, and the Rashba's really kind of the only one who says it, most of the other Rishonim don't even come on to this, it's a Chiddush of the Rashba and his Chubas, so maybe we don't really have a problem. But, can, can, can I say, uh, sure, but it says a little, the Lashon says, if, what's the look? Can you read the Sif again? Yeah. Oh. Right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, I mean, want to put the actual drink inside. Right. They, right. 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 Happens to be that this distillery, whatever whiskey they have, they also put wine in the whiskey. That's for sure a problem. Right, so that I'm saying is a problem. Yes. Now, Rav Moshe, Nikos Moshe, wants to say that we can be lenient because it's only a Dindarabanan. And 
it's uh, by Shar Mashkim uh, with wine, you could be Mavatal the Isser Bashesh and not Bashishim. And therefore, as long as they're not adding, you know, 18% wine to this thing, and th- these chubas of Ramosh that came out in the, the 40s and 50s where certain Canadian whiskeys, to this day even, certain Canadian whiskeys and uh, American whiskeys and Irish whiskeys, they're allowed to add somewhere around 2.5% of other alcohols into whatever cask they're, they're whatever whiskey they're making. It's a way to, to kind of cut through taxes, basically. They want to get around some of the taxes by having 2.5% of the barrel be wine. It's taxed at a lower rate because wine is taxed at a different rate than, 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 uh, than distilled spirits. And therefore, they're able to kind of save a little bit of money here. So, the, so now the, the, the big question is, do distilleries leave the sherry or port or whatever it is in the barrels in the barrel while uh, and then put the whiskey on top of that or do they do what they're supposed to and dump the whiskey out or dump the sherry sorry dump the sherry out or dump the whatever wine is in the barrel do they dump that out or or not which you said they're legally required they're legally required to do so yes so, right, before we get there, um, the actual history of the industry, I'm going to just read the, there's a long essay in the Hora Abirura, it's a safer put out by Kisi uh, Rachamim, Rabbi Mazuzum Shiva, and there's a, a long uh, essay in the back, in the Bira Lacha Arach, um, uh, it's, it's Rabbi Meir Mazuz's. It's, it's his, his his colon. Right. This particular volume was written by Rabbi Yisrael Amoyal, Rabbi Raziel Cohen, uh, Rabbi Aaron Mazuz, Rabbi Adir Cohen, and with other people. And uh, sorry, that's by Taruvot. And then the Hashra Kalim was written by Rabbi Liron Shalom Yishai. Uh, Elroy Cohen, Moshe Atiyah, Yair Nisim Azaria, and also Eliyahu Cohen and Yisrael Amoyal. So, this particular uh, essay, I don't know who, which of them, or which congregation of them wrote this particular essay in here, but they, at the end, put out this general, general rule. Hakala Ola, everything that comes out of this whole discussion as to whether Sherry has to be permitted or not, Shemash Kibiski so whiskey that's aged in wine barrels, it's not usher from the wine barrel itself. We have a number of, of uh, different chubas in, in the Minkhadiyot stock, the Igris Moshe, and every tight. Go through that whole silkia, and uh, that's kind of been... <coughs> we haven't discussed much of it, but there's a lot of... Uh, there's a lot of read there. So they continue, Ulam, Imla Achar Gamar Yitzuro, Husha Pam Shenit, Bechavi Shalyan Kedela Hosiv Botan Yain, Harize Asr. So a lot of times you'll see a whiskey where it says double like cask. a double cask or a double wood or, or, an, uh, or it'll say, you know, sherry finished or whatever it is. That's going to be a problem. Is it, is it 
sorry, finish the same thing. Really. Yes and no, because you could age it in a sherry cask, but could be that's just the cask they had, or the cask they chose to use. But now they're putting in they're putting it in a sherry cask specifically for the sherry flavor to do it that second time. So the original cask. The first barrel. I mean, the first barrel is in for that reason too. Yeah, but for the, for the yes. first one, there's not a problem. Sure, be even. So what's the best? I don't understand. Why is two? Why is a double cast? Oh, but going to say. So double. The 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 reason they bring down basically is that when you distill something, somewhere around 40 percent of the flavor of that final product, the final whiskey product, is going to be from the the alcohol itself because it's bringing flavors from the distillation process. Whatever that rudimentary beer or wine or whatever it was that you made to turn it into whiskey, 30-40% of it's going to be coming from that. The rest of it is going to be coming from the barrel, and if there's something aged in the barrel before, so then whatever was aged in the barrel. But because it's going to be developing some of these flavors from the tannins and vanillins and other things that are in the wood, and also picking up flavor from the sherry or bourbon or whatever else was in there before, you have a Zevazegorum situation, right. where not all the flavor is coming from <clears throat> the sherry, and not all of it's coming from the wood, and not all of it's coming from the whiskey, but it's a whole mixture, and you wouldn't be able to get all of that flavor from just the sherry itself. So you have a Zevazegorum. Okay. The second time, when they put it in a sherry cast to finish it in sherry cast to give it a sherry flavor, so then that's a Dover Davido Latima, and you're specifically showing that I want the sherry flavor in this thing. It still gets time from the second barrel as well. A whiskey it does, but it's the same as a whiskey Yes, but when they so when they age when they when they turn it into a sherry bomb for the the, the industrial term, it's not aged another ten years or most of them it's not even aged another year. It's aged for another few months just to pick up that extra wine flavor. It's not going to pick up as many of the tannins and vanillins and other chemicals from the wood as it's getting from just the sheer amount of sherry that's in the, you know, that's impregnated into the walls of the wood that it's going to be drawing out over that month or two or three or four, whatever it is that's, that it's sitting in there. So, again, the first barrel, Zevazagorum, we can kind of get around it. Again, I'm going to be machber, but technically speaking, as long as you know that they dumped out the wine, so then the first barrel shouldn't be a problem. Now, continue. But if you have a chashash that they added some wine specifically to it, so oh, alcohol Oh, they added brandy, or sherry really acts as a fortified wine because it's typically somewhere between sixteen to twenty-two percent alcohol. Again, you can't get anything really over fifteen to fifteen. What's a sherry? Sherry, we'll get to. A sherry is a fortified wine, so it's not. It's wine mixed with brandy. So like port is a fortified red wine, sherry is a fortified white wine. Usually. Usually. I never knew it. Okay, thanks for the Yeah, most of them are are, are uh, Harris grapes and the they're they're white grapes. Um, so, uh, so port is a fortified red, red wine. wine. Sherry is a fortified white wine. And port is from Portugal. And sherry is technically it's called Harris, um, but the British messed that one up. Um, and it has to actually be made in a specific small region of Spain called the Sherry Triangle. Oh, it's all Spanish. It's all Spanish. Yeah. You can have wines that are port-style wines. Uh, Yarden, Do they have any kosher, like, kosher sherry? In sure. Yeah. Dark. Yeah. 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 Cannon 
Kenan makes kosher there are, there are kosher ports, there are kosher sherries made in Portugal. Yeah, there's four kosher ports and kosher sherries made in Portugal and Spain, respectively. There are also kosher port and sherry style wines made in America, made in Israel. Yarden T2 is a port style wine. Um, there's other, you know, there's other others like that. So if you have a shaila though, if they put wine or brandy or something like that in the the whiskey itself. Or when they bottled it, or in the, in the production, they were using some other equipment that they were using wine in before. So that's going to be a problem. Then it tells you to look out for certain things, like we said, like double wood, double maturation, special finish, sherry, cast pour, but they are all also matured in two woods or some. I think Balvini makes a uh, Balvini makes a triple wood. I think also or something. Triple wood, but uh, double wood would matter which wood comes last. Yes. According to which Caribbean, Caribbean, yeah. Caribbean cask is rum. Rum's not a problem. Rum's not a problem. Rum's not a problem. Rum is rum. Rum is distilled sugar. There's nothing wrong with distilled sugar cane. Again, as long as they didn't add anything crazy to it while they were making it, sugar cane is you know it's fine. It's another alcohol. It's a it's a grass. There's nothing unkosher about a grass. Right. Okay. So, again, the halacha is if. As long as the, the barrel was dumped, then I don't have to worry about it. But, but I have to make sure that it was dumped. And this is where you're not going to like what I'm going to say. <laughs> All right, let's not say. Let's not say. Okay, guys, after me. <laughs> <laughs> it's late at night. We have All right. I also did the math on this radius thing. What number did you get? So I got that. Ignoring the top and bottom, right, and assuming the barrel is a cylinder, which it isn't, right, and assuming the wall is an inch, which is probably generous. No, that's about I right. That the barrel would have to be two hundred thirty-nine inches away. Right. So the amount of well, the amount of, of whiskey to be, to be for the, for the right to be on your regular standard hogshead or American standard barrel. Just to kind of skip ahead a little bit. The average difference in volume of the amount of volume that is inside versus the thickness of the entire walls of the Klee is somewhere between four and four and a quarter. So the amount of volume that's inside the barrel, right, the amount of liquid, the contents of the barrel, standard barrel, which is either an American standard barrel, which holds somewhere between 180 and 220 liters of whiskey, or a hogshead, which is 250 liters. Yeah. Four and a half times the volume of the walls of the barrel. Right. The walls of the barrel, or the, the contents of an American standard barrel or a hogshead, are somewhere between four and four and a quarter times the volume of the walls of the barrel. That's not good for anybody. You don't even have multiple shesh there. So, again, the only way to be, to be makel is to say, like Moran says, kade klipa. But if you hold, you know, the whole kli, so then... That, that, that's going to be a problem. Right? So again, Moran's going to tell you, you only need a klipa. Lemaisa, if you want to go mi'ikaradin the whole way through, then as long as the barrel is cleaned out, you're good. So let's go through the history of sherry casks. The... <laughs> the, the sherry casks... It's, there's a common misconception that the casks that go from Spain to Scotland 
were the ones that were actually ones aging the wine. And that they take the, the, the bodega casks and they would send those straight to Scotland. And that's categorically untrue. What used to happen before the 1980s was that it was easier and cheaper for the bodegas, the, the ones making the sherry, and the ones also in Portugal making the port, to just dump all the sherry into transport casks, ship them to England, sherry would be bottled in England, and then transported around the world. Why? Anyone want to take a guess? It's a really simple answer if you know your uh, world history. The 1980s? Before the 1980s. I mean, I was going to say the British had the trade routes, but before the 1980s. No, that's it. The British Navy. Oh, the Navy. The, the British Navy and merchant ships. The British had... The Navy was transporting ships? No, but the Navy was on protecting the merchant ships. Uh, the British had the safest merchant marine in the world for the longest time because the British Navy patrolled the entire world and they had a lot of merchant ships and they controlled a lot of trade routes. So it was easy for the sherry and port and Madeira and whatever makers to take, put all their, their wines into transport casks. Transport casks meaning casks? It was just a regular cask, but it wasn't, it wasn't what they aged the wine in. It was just, it was bigger, it was designed just to transport. Okay. And they would take that, it was typically, I want to say it was a 500 liter barrel. And they would take that, ship it to England, it would sit in transport for a few weeks, and then it would sit for however long it sat in England until they got around to bottling it. Typically under a year, typically under a few months, but you know, it could sit there for you know, six, eight months or whatever. And then once those barrels were done, they were transport casts. They weren't going to use them again in Spain, so they shipped them off to Scotland. Why? So, because the Scottish were making whiskey, so they wanted the barrels. They needed barrels. So if you have a dis- right, if you have a distillery, you need barrels and you need them cheap. Well, also, part of the way that sherry's made is they have a whole like triangular pyramid of barrels, and they're dumping from one barrel to the next, to the next, to the next, right? Like, right, so but that's, that's in the really, that's that's in the yeah, bodega. That's all, that's all gross, right? right, but that's that's in the bodega. But when they're transporting it, all of that's poured into transport caps and then shipped over. So that all changed in the 1980s. Because what happened was in 86, so the, the dictator of Spain died in 1975, and the, Spain entered the European Union, and about 10 years later, the, uh, the, the Cooperages and the Bodegas decided they were going to petition the government, they weren't happy, and they wanted to take their entire industry back. And overnight, essentially... They wanted to take the entire industry back from where? Back world? from England. Because England was the one who was bottling and transporting the sherry all over the world. And Spain said, well, why don't we do that? Oh, okay. We should do it ourselves. So the, the government was complaining to... No, so the, the, no, the bodegas and the people making the sherry were like, okay, like, let's just do it ourselves now. Okay. And the government said, sure. And decreed, essentially overnight, that, yep, all sherry has to be aged in Spain, or it has to be bottled and then shipped out of Spain. So overnight, these transport casks dried up. Though to be found, because they weren't transporting them anywhere, they're putting in bottles and then shipped out on container ships. After, or after Prohibition, when whatever American distilleries survived. So you're talking about the 1980s? Yeah, the 1980s. Now we're going back in time a little bit, because oh, okay. we're going to get there. But after Prohibition, 
whatever, uh, whatever distillery survived or whatever was starting to crop up, they needed barrels. Right? And the cooperages in America, the guys who make the barrels, the ones who survived Prohibition also, because if no one's aging whiskey, then no one needs a barrel. So the ones that survived were like, well, we, we need to do something to bring our business back up. So I believe it was in the 40s, there was a law that was passed that, to, that, that defined bourbon as to what it is today. Common misconception is that bourbon is, has to be made in Kentucky, and it's not true. It can be made anywhere in the United States as long as it's 51% corn. 51%? Corn. 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 The rest of it can be made out of whatever cereal grade you want. Rice, rye, wheat, barley, oat, whatever. But 51% of it has to be corn. Typically, it's actually about 70% that's corn, and the rest of it is the other things. Uh, if I remember correctly, the, uh, the, the, bad, the mash recipe for Woodford Reserve is like 70% uh, corn, 18% rye, and 12% wheat. Um, but then pure rye is not... Uh, pure rye is 100% rye. It's not, it's not, it's not it's bourbon. It's rye. That's okay. uh, a totally different thing. But bourbon, which is the... You know, basically the national alcohol of the United States without being the national alcohol of the United States. Rules were made that said that bourbon had to be aged in a new charred oak cask. Charred? Charred. They had to burn it on the inside. It's part of the barrel making process. It's part of the barrel making process. It actually it, it helps um, kind of burn up some of the harsher tannins in the wood. It also acts as a natural charcoal filter to kind of get some of the stuff out of the whiskey as it's rotated through the barrel. Um, if you want afterward, you can take a look at the book. I'll show you pictures of different charring and whatever. Um, but it had to be a new oak barrel. So now these cooperages were, hey, we're in business now because everybody who's making bourbon needs a new barrel every time they make a new batch, or a bunch of barrels every time they make a new batch. Problem is the distilleries can't you can't reuse a barrel. You could rye American whiskey, anything else could use a, a, an old barrel, but bourbon has to be new. So all these distilleries are like, okay, cool, that's the new rule, but what are we gonna do with all the old barrels? So were they mainly reusing barrels? I'm not sure if they were reusing barrels again. Right before that was prohibition, so yeah you're not getting as much flavor the the second or third time around um but it could be the first time around it was helpful or maybe they shipped it off to you know whoever else um you know guys were making rye or some other startup or a lot of times they also used to take the barrel and burn it in the fire to make the next batch of <laughs> bourbon um so for about 40 years though the Scottish were buying some of these barrels, and the Irish were buying some of these barrels, and other American products were buying some of these barrels, but they weren't able to, to get rid of all of them. When the transport casks disappeared, so the Scottish were like, we need a new, a new source for barrels. Well, what's the easiest source? America. Hey, America, send us your bourbon barrels. <laughs> so... Nothing really changed because when, you're, when you age something, again, you have to age it in a barrel for X amount of years. And most scotches are aged for like a minimum 10, typically 12, and even beyond. Barrel, so they, they don't so reuse the barrel. In, no, they do in Scotland. Scotch, they'll reuse the barrel. Sure. You have second, third use barrels, and they, they'll, re, they'll refurbish them and rejuvenate them. There's a whole process beyond, behind that. 
also. Sometimes they'll take an old barrel and they'll uh, refurbish it and then rejuvenate it by, by putting more, more wine in it or, or whiskey or whatever it is. We'll get to that in a second. Um, but it took about 10, 12 years for these new bourbon barrels to come to market. And in the 90s, people started tasting the, 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 you know, their favorite scotch and going, hmm, something tastes off. It's a different color and it, it, it's harsher and it's not as sweet. And it's got more vanilla and honey to it. I, I'm, not, uh, I'm not sure what's going on here. So the distilleries realized, well, people actually wanted the sherry flavor. So they now, today, though they have, a lot of them have standing orders with the tonelerias, which are the people who make the, uh, the casks in Spain, and with certain bodegas, and they will actually have casks made to whatever specifications they want, filled with whatever type of wine they want. They'll age, the, it'll age with that wine or mix whatever it is for somewhere between 12 and 30 months, depending on what that distillery wants. And then they'll empty it, and then they'll fill it with a check it for to make sure that it's it's still good. They'll pressure check it, make sure there's no leaks or anything. Then they'll put a little bit of wine in it, so that way it doesn't dry out over transport overseas or over vehicle. Um, you could also take the channel, and you can get to Scotland in about four days from Spain. So um, when they but they fill it somewhere between 5 and 15 liters of, of wine is sitting in the, the bottom of the barrel just to make sure it doesn't dry out in transport. And all fine. But the problem is that they're now also spending over a thousand pounds per barrel when they're getting the American barrels for 10% the cost. And they're why? doing... Why are they making so much money? Why, why because they want it. And they they need to get these. They they specifically want the flavor. The American ones, the Americans can't do anything with, so they have to just dump it for whatever. Essentially, not whatever price they can get, but you know they're not they're not making a ton of money off these barrels. Everything's essentially profit because they can't reuse them. But you know, there's not right. Yeah, I'll take whatever I can get for it. Whereas the bodegas are like, well, you know. We're also aging for these people and making our own sherry and doing our other things. So now, you know, we're making things for you, so we're going to charge a premium. Right. So, again, Scottish law is that you have to dump it. And there's an article that was printed in Malt Whiskey, with the Malt Whiskey Yearbook uh, 2014. The, author, the article was authored by Johnny McCormick. And he was interviewing Dr. Bill Lumsden, who's a master blender and distillery manager at Glenmorangie. And in the interview, he was saying all casks have to be completely emptied of their former contents so that any characteristics taken on by the new incumbent is derived from the wood alone. Any residual contents would act as flavoring, which would be illegal. The only thing that's allowed to be added to Scotch whiskey is something called E150A. Anyone know what that is? Caramel coloring. E-150A, there's four caramel colorings. E-150A, B, C, and D. The caramel coloring in Coca-Cola is E-150D. It's the darkest of them. E-150A is, um, it's uh, a lot of scotches, unless they say natural, they have you know, a little bit of a lighter, mostly yellow, little brownish look to them. But if you were to actually get a, a, um, a scotch from a, that was aged at a bourbon barrel, 
it's going to be like straw colored. It's going to be very light. But most people don't want a straw color. When they want something that looks a little bit more like a whiskey, so they add a little bit of coloring to it to make sure that it looks a little more vibrant. And therefore, that's the only thing that's allowed. Now, Johnny McCormick adds in parentheses after Dr. Lumen's quote, the whether independent inspections enforce this is another matter. Yeah. Oh, wow, okay. Mm -hmm. right. There seems to be this, there's a lot of rumors going around, and there seems to be this uh, not so well-kept secret that they don't actually dump the barrels. Everybody? I don't know about everybody, but... Revolution. Uh, I'm not telling you specific revolution. ones. I'm not telling you no, specific ones. So, Remordechai Benden, Benden, who published this, this, uh, this, this, uh, this book that I'm working with right now, Benden, Benden, B-E-N-D-O-N. He's from England, he lives in Israel now. Um, but he, over the past 20-some-odd years, has been to over 60 distilleries in every region of Scotland. Not 60 in each region, but he's been to every distilling region of Scotland. He's been to over 60 distilleries and counting. Uh, he's also um, acted as a mashkiach for certain uh, kosher runs at different distilleries. He, in 2019, was involved in a kosher project um, in the lowlands of Scotland, he doesn't say which Hekshire, but Rabbi Kiva Usher Padua, who was the Rabbi Machshir, was asked not to pour out the three to four liters of wine still sitting in the cask. When he was at a distillery in 2020, in October of 2020, that uh, port cask had just arrived from Israel, so they were port style, but they were kosher, and he was managing a kosher, uh, kosher run, the distillery manager said that he, it was standard practice not to pour out the wine. And the distillery manager continued and said that as far as he understood, this was the practice in the majority of distilleries in Scotland. This continued when he went to another distillery and talked with the tourism information manager who said that each, uh, each hogshead or octave, a hogshead is 250 liters, an octave is 60 liters, comes between five and 15 liters of sherry actually still in them. And he said they obviously don't pour out the sherry because they want the sherry flavor. Yeah, and therefore, why would they throw it out yeah. if they specifically want the flavor? It's going to add more direct flavor. Yeah, yeah. He went to another distillery and the manager there told him that they never pour out the sherry. It's a major contribution to the flavor. It's why they spend so much money on purchasing first fill sherry casks in the first place. And he believes that it's standard practice within the industry, even though most people don't admit it. A couple other distilleries he went to told him no. They showed him the trough where they actually pour out the, the, the sherry and actually were in the process of doing that when he got there. So there are a few distilleries that actually follow the law. But from his conversation with many people, and he has email and... Uh, text conversations to the back of this document. I can email it to whoever or send it to the WhatsApp group to whoever wants it. Um, the camera for sure doesn't pour up. It tastes like a white glass. <laughs> I'm not going with who well, does what. I'm not, I'm not okay. going to say who does or who doesn't do what. All I'm going to say <laughs> you want to you want to say fine. But I'm not going to say who does or doesn't do what. What I will say is that according to Rebendon the Metsias is that the majority, seemingly majority, of, mo of the distilleries in Scotland don't actually pour out the sherry that's in the 
barrels. But that is only they use sherry. Uh, uh, sure, that's only if it's a sherry cask. If it's not a sherry cask, then it's not a problem. The whole question, the whole question here is sherry cask. If it's rum, then who cares? Most of the Highland distilleries don't don't use sherry casks. Everybody uses sherry casks. We're talking about it says in the Bible, sherry casks. Everybody, first off, first off, first off, ninety percent, roughly around ninety percent of Scotch in the market is blended. Right? A blended scotch means it's someone in some place is taking a different uh, grain alcohol spirit or grain neutral spirit and other uh, malt, single malt whiskeys and blending them together. Johnny Walker Black has like 34 different whiskeys in it. Right. It's not like John, so Johnny Walker makes one about, thing. But, 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 right? It, it, Walker, but I think I think if oh, on that whiskey, I wouldn't be worried so much because they really don't so care that, about the, the cast so much. So that's true. There you have a lot more room to be lenient. There you can rely on Moshe's chuvas and all the yeah. other things because by blended whiskey, you're not really worried so much because they're just blending things from all over the place. By that makes single, it worse, not better. No, it makes it better because if. if if ten percent of it is using a sherry cast, so I only have to be bottle. You don't have to be bottle the whole clea. I only have to be bottle the whole clea of ten percent. So if I, if the contents are four times that that amount, right? So now I only have to be bottle one, you know, two point five percent or whatever it is in terms of everything else. It should be mean cool. Right, and it's not mean bamino. It's mean should be anal So no, 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 meaning whiskey and the other whiskey. Right. But it's different whiskeys, different flavors, and different things. This is why this is where, like, why, why bourbon, even though fifty-one percent of it is is kidney oat, we still say this, that it's chametz gamor. What I'm saying is, if, I, if, if I'm John, if Johnny Walker blends, let's say ten percent sherry cask and ninety percent non-sherry cask, you know, so even if the sherry cask whiskey is usser, shouldn't the mixture of the sherry cask whiskey with the non-sherry cask whiskey be a mean amino mixture? I'm not sure it is because each each you only say mean bamino really when the tastes are the same. No, but taste that taste is the same doesn't mean literally the taste is identical. But I mean, even still, you can so the pro, the difference is but the tastes of whiskeys, a lot of it, the most of what's actually going into a blended whiskey is grain neutral spirit, which can mean from really anything. Most scotch is barley. But the and that only makes up a small percentage of the actual. So the sherry cask is not even going to be ten percent. It's going to be less than that because a small percentage of what's actually blended in a blended whiskey is actually flavored whiskey. The rest of it's just it's it just tastes like alcohol. So you're not you don't you don't blended whiskeys. You're really not going to run into so many problems. And, That's and, what I'm saying. and right. I'm saying it's a reason. It's another. It's another reason to be make. David Cohen goes into that in, in his book on alcoholic beverages. Or Niehaus goes into it in his book on sherry casks. Blended whiskeys, we don't really have so much of an issue with. But by by single malts, where they're aging, you know, either some sort of mixture or predominantly sherry casks. That's where we go back to what we said. This the you know the opinion of the Rashba that if the sherry is an integral ingredient, and they're adding it on purpose, so then. It's never going to be bottled because it's there. It, it's one, it's a Dava Davida Lataima. It's there for a purpose. I mean, it's there for taste. They want the taste of it. And it's an integral ingredient, which, according to the Rashba, are really two separate dinim. It seems like one, but the Rashba's true of it does make it clear that it's two separate dinim. Right. But so if the non Jewish owner of Johnny Walker, 
Like let's assume, let's assume for the sake of argument, the sherry cask whiskey is us. Right. Now the, and more specifically, the taste of sherry or the sherry that's in it is not bubble. Right. And now the non-Jewish owner of Johnny Walker mixes that with his whiskey, with other whiskey. Right. It's do all going to be. Do we say now? That you only have to be bottled the sherry. You don't have to be bottled right. the so the whiskey that the sherry was in. Right. We're, we're not going to say that the cherry whiskey in and of itself, the entire thing is the Isser. It's going to get mixed in with other things. The only thing we've bought the cherry itself, not the entire whiskey. Um, and in that We're mixture, not going to say Hanan or Chate Hanasin of Elabad. And I don't think it would be Hanan, but in that mixture, it's not, it's not Nebadla Right. Then it's not necessarily Avila Taim. Now, before we, we finish, and, and do want to been a, a long one, but I do want to finish. There's a few myths I just also want to dispel. Um, when we said before that there's a misconception that all barrels when they get to Scotland are charred or something in order to <clears throat> get them ready for whiskey production. That's not the case. If they're buying a sherry cask, by burning it, they're just going to be destroying the flavor of the sherry. So what does happen though is when they're refurbishing a cask, sometimes the cask will be used so much like, you know, three, four, or five times, that what they'll do is they'll shave it down, then they'll toast it and char it, and then sometimes they'll either reflavor it or do something else to it. <clears throat> and then, um, you know, then they'll, they'll reuse that barrel, and it's considered, it's almost like a, a new barrel at that point, because for the most part, whatever is in the barrel really only creeps into the first, like, initial five, six millimeters of the wood itself, so if you, uh, I mean, have a picture of it somewhere, that when you look at a barrel, right, the actual barrel itself, like this is a stave, right, one of the pieces of wood in the barrel. So the stave itself, you can see the wine doesn't actually go and penetrate all the way through. It only goes through a little bit. Now the it's, red part is with right, the wine. The red part is the wine. Okay. That happens to be, it's more than a klipa, okay, but it's not the entire barrel. So... There, there is what to say there. Um, some of the other, um, couple other, uh, where to go? The, the misconceptions we have um, are that all, all the flip. There's another thing. One, one second. Another thing that a lot of people think is that the bourbon is coming from American oak and the sherry is coming from European oak and the oak is what actually contributes to most of the flavor, not the sherry itself. That's not true. In fact, most barrels that are made in Spain are actually made of American oak. Even if they're, they might be grown in Spain, but the seeds were transplanted to Spain and grown there. The reason is that American oak actually has a milder flavor. It has more vanillins. It has less tannins. The tannins are what make it more bitter. The vanillins give it the honey and vanilla flavor. And uh, they grow quicker, and they're stronger, and they're a lot easier to work with than European oak. British oak is actually the worst. Uh, Spanish oak, French oak, uh, Russian oak, those are different types. There's... Um, uh, uh, was a Quercus Reber, I think, is the European oak is uh, is much more difficult to work with than um, the, the American one. But most barrels are actually American oak, whether they're made in in Europe or not. They just transport either wood or the they grow American oak trees in Spain or France or wherever they grow them, and then harvest them and turn those into barrels. 
Um, it also does not take more than 12 months for the casts to get to Scotland. It takes somewhere between four days and two weeks. Um, so... Does it make a difference in the one? It would make a difference if it was sitting there for 12, 12 months. Then we, oh, then we would say that you know, everything inside is Nisroch, and everything would be, you know, not to tell me you've got it. But that, that, that wouldn't be true given that it has the liquid in it, right? It has a very little bit of liquid, which would probably dry out if it was sitting there for 12 months in the open air in Scotland. It's not, it's not there for very long. It's really just there to make sure that there's something in it to keep it moist until they actually add whiskey into it. it it's a placeholder, essentially. Um, but if they're actually going to use it as flavoring for their whiskey, whether that's legal or not, or whether they do it or not, um, that's where you get into problems. So, uh, your, your question, Mayor. Right. Yeah. Basically, in summary, from the whole year, most, from my understanding, is if, it will, if it was done, in a regular, in a single, single, single cast, so to speak. Yeah. It shouldn't be a problem. Except we have uh, one rabbi, Rabbi Mordechai Bennett. Bennett, that he pointed out as a problem. Besides that, besides this rabbi, which I totally, you know, if, I don't see a reason why you know you would say something which is not true. But besides him, is there any other rabbi who said that they that they, that they saw something like that, that they agreed to something like that? But so it seems like the everything is built on one. So he's not entirely alone. Rabbi, so first off, Rabbi Padua, who's from the, the London based in, um, has seen some is of these things. Is this not the one with Could be, he does, I'm not sure. Okay. Uh, Rabbi Kiva Usher Padua, he has his own hatcher, but he's also with um, the, the London based in. Um, he's been involved in a lot of sherry casks and has seen his fair share of problems like this. Um, I don't. The, the problem you have with a lot of these distilleries, unless they're inviting somebody, you know, a rabbi in or a hashkacha in to, you know, oversee them, it's very hard to get involved. Or Benden has spent twenty plus years, you know, and there's, in, nobody, in, there's nobody else. In the, no, there's no one. The Jewish world, no one. No, no one else in the Jewish world has the relationships with distilleries and with the people on the ground like Rabenden does. And he has a list on his website. I can also send that out. Uh, he updates that one monthly of uh, Scotch whiskeys, or I think there might even be other whiskeys on there at this point, um, that don't have a sherry cask issue. No, there's no sherry cask involved. Oh, okay. Then so, I, then I, then, then I but that know. happens to be that list. First off, a lot of them aren't certified kosher. It just It happens to be what he knows from right. being in all these places. That list... Is relied upon by every major Ashkafa. Okay, I'm saying, but I could look at the bottle to know if it's sherry cask or not. Yes and no. Yes, so are, yes are and there, no. Are, the, there, are there bottles that are sherry cask and don't say sherry cask? Yeah, bottles. there are. There are some that will that could say rejuvenated American oak, for instance. What does that mean? How they why, rejuvenate? Why would they not brag about it if it was? So there's a. Uh, there's a Lagavulin, I think it was a Lagavulin, maybe. Uh, I don't want to remember correctly. He brings in here, it actually, technically should be a legal problem, really, in, in Scotland regarding it. I don't see it on the... I don't see it, I don't... But there's, 
Is this one good? I don't know. Didn't say it said Oloroso, didn't we say on the back? Yeah. Oloroso is a type of yeah. It's a type of sherry. It's a sherry. Right. You know the sherry. So the type, right. there's so Fino sherry, Oloroso, Pedro Jimenez. There's different types of sherry. So there are some right. There are some that either don't say it or say it kind of you know why I don't know. Normally, it's kind of one of these like, oh, we age it in sherry casks. Everyone wants that. If you look on the market, for instance, every year, somewhere around like 70% of new uh, scotches that come to the market are sherry cask. Nowadays. It's becoming much, much more. It, everybody wants it. I know. It, it everybody right. wants it. I mean, you go to the beauty street in Europe, yeah. you can Like I said, somewhere around... Currently, 70% of scotches that come to market are sherry casks. And, and therefore, even the ones that don't say sherry cask, I have to say, and I've, I've said this the last two times, it's the biggest thing I believe in. Buy with a Heckscher. Right? If you can't buy with a Heckscher, or there's something that's at least on an approved list, so do that. Beyond that, there's so much that could go wrong. And, and that we, we don't know, because... These are trade secrets for a lot of these for a lot of these things. You, they're, they're not inviting people in to, to show them their entire process. So unless there's a shkacha, the, the shkacha knows exactly what's going on. So why why, why, don't, we don't, why don't we don't have the same thing that they will? Can we say to the fact that it's illegal, that they can lose the license, that there will So by milk, it happens to be... Well, it sounds like we don't believe that it's really happening. I mean, so this thing about milk... Right? You can't rely on that everywhere. Even in the United and States, it happens law. to be there are opinions that are right. Moshe's Chuba because doesn't apply anymore. Right. So, it seems to be there's room. Now, I'm not going to say every. Let's calm down for a second. Let's get a sequel here. I'm not going to say every single scotch is usher. I will say there's room to be machmir, and ideally everybody should just buy kosher. There's enough of a kosher infrastructure in the United States, the United Kingdom, and everything else that we don't have to rely on the Nodi Yehuda anymore. And the mode of the whole brings up the Nodi Yehuda that when you don't, when you move to a place where there's no kosher infrastructure, so you can rely on all these other heterim. Right? The Rashi says you have to know that it's actually kosher. We have enough of an infrastructure in the United States and in England that. We know what's going on. We have yeshivas with thousands of people. We have giant communities. We should only be buying kosher products. And ideally, it should actually have a heksher. If it's on an approved list, at least that's something to rely on. Again, when it says approved or recommended, that doesn't mean it's certified. It means that somebody did enough research to say that they feel comfortable saying that it's most likely kosher and it's most likely not problematic. If it's certified, it means that people are there on the ground not necessarily constantly, but they're there often enough to know what's going on on a regular basis to say that, yes, this product has no problems and is Shiloh free. So when it comes to, 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 to sherry casks, there are kosher ones of sherry cask. Um, in Israel, they make a wine cask ones Golani Distillery makes. There are a couple ones in Skyland also that use a, a kosher pork cask or whatever it is. So if you can find those, great. If not... You don't have to have it. Tom and Tool makes uh, is mostly OU. Ardbeg 10 makes an OU run once a year or whatever it is. There's plenty of other scotches and bourbons and everything else out there now that we don't have to just rely on, oh, I looked at the bottle and it looks okay. Don't do that anymore. 
Get a list, the CRC has one, the Star K has one, they're the two biggest agencies in the United States. Find it on the list. If it's on the list and it says approved, then you can rely on that. Again, if you want to go the certified route, which I recommend for everything, just because we know exactly what's going on, so then you know, get the one that says certified. But I, in my opinion, and again, there are others who are going to argue on me, or if Heinemann says the opinion is to be machin, or Schechter says that the the minutes to be to be lenient, but a balnefa should be should be machbir. You know, Shlomo Miller says there's a million reasons to be to be makel. But in my opinion, knowing or at least having an idea that if Rebendon's right, that the materials on the ground is that they're really not dumping the sherry, then there's actually yain ve'ain in the barrels. It's there for taste. It's there as an integral ingredient. And therefore, it's not bottle, and it would be a problem. So just buy kosher products. Have a couple.